0: Indeed, that's what we're doing today. Um, maybe maybe this has happened to you um, where the day doesn't go as you plan. Ever happened to anybody? Um, yesterday, I was in Albany, New York, seeing my in-laws, and, and the plan was to fly back, you know, get up early and, and fly back so I could be with you today. Well, the good news is it, I'm here. Um, The bad news is it didn't happen the way I planned it to happen. Um, I was to get up early, take a flight, um, take a connecting flight from Philly, and then land in Grand Rapids, and one of you had been gracious enough to even pick me up, and I was going to be at home, eh, you know, by 2 o'clock or so, after maybe even stopping at a wood shop. It sounded like a great day. Got up at 4 driving to the airport by 4.45 and uh, found out about what maintenance on a plane is, all the different parts they can replace, and what de-icing is, and what refueling is. We did a lot of different things at the airport. Uh, We left well after my connecting flight had left as well. So when I landed in Philadelphia, the next step was to find... um, a car. So rented a car and drove back here from Philadelphia. And what was going through my mind, and I shared with poor Jeff, who I called and said, hey, you might have to preach today, uh,
1: <clears throat> was that movie Planes, Trains, and Automobiles
0: with uh, John Candy and Steve Martin. And I felt like it was a remake with the, the modern-day comedian Kevin Hart.
1: What we do, how we go
0: about life, is what Jesus is talking to us during this Lenten period. It's what he has to share with the crowds that are gathered around him, who we are and how we are to be. In my disrupted day, by the way, I got in around midnight, um... You know, I had to ask myself a lot, am I living as Christ would want me to live? On the outward, I was. On the inside, I had a lot of comments and judgments about all those people who made my day difficult.
1: So I had some work to do.
0: Jesus is calling us to a new way of life. The Sermon on the Mount is what we are exploring through Lent as a way of working on ourselves, of preparing ourselves for the celebration of Easter, the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, the gift that God has given us, that our sins have been paid for through Jesus, and we have been given the promise of new life. And that calls and places upon us something different to be different. And so we're looking at Jesus' what's known as the Sermon on the Mount to see how we might work on ourselves, who we might become. The first week, we we looked at a, a series of sayings that Jesus had as he identified to the crowd that he knew who they were. And at the same time, who he was calling them to be, to be merciful Last week, we had a baptism, and that caught much of our attention. But last week, the word of the sermon had to do with Jesus saying, Hey, look, you know the law, you know the rules, but don't just follow them going through them technically. I want to get at your heart.
1: I want you to keep the spirit
0: of what God was giving us in the Ten Commandments and the directions. This week, Jesus is identifying again who we are, and he's issuing us a warning so that we don't slide back into old habits, habits that may concern, as I said in the sermon title, our praise or our glory or our own reward. And so in order to listen to the passage, we're going to break it down into three parts and those parts
1: aren't simply this. Our practice excuse me, our purpose, our practice and our perspective. Our purpose, our
0: practice, and our perspective. Or if you don't like P's, we can do M's. Our motive our method, and our manner. Our motive, our method, and our manner. We're going to read from chapter 6 of the Gospel of Matthew. Let's pray that God's word would be open to us. Lord, help us. Help us to hear your word today. Guide us that we might hear clearly and be challenged in those points in our life that need attention.
1: That we might hear
0: our purpose and our motive. That we might hear our practice and our method. That we might hear our perspective and our manner. Guide us, O Lord, through your word, through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Now remember, we're reading rather long sections, so we're trying to put them together, how they connect to one another, that purpose, that practice, and that perspective. So listen now for the word of the Lord, beginning at Matthew chapter 6. The warning. Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And, as your, and your Father who, see, who sees in secret will reward you. I said it starts with a warning, beware. And that beware section is really that first of those three P's or that first of those three M's, that purpose or motive. It's probably the shortest of the three sections we see here, but it's addressing an item that had come up earlier that we addressed in the first week of our time together on the Sermon on the Mount. It had to do with all those sayings that Jesus gave, and then he followed up with this, something to the effect that, look, you are to be a light, not covered, but on a hill, like a city on a hill. And you're to let your light shine. It's not to be hidden, so that God will be glorified. As followers of Jesus Christ, you are to let your light shine so that God may be glorified. A little later, last week, it talked about our righteousness. In other words, the way we act, the way we behave, and that it needs to be even better than the Pharisees and the scribes and all the rules they had. So Jesus is returning to that theme of righteousness, of our behaviors, and that they need to be seen by others so that God would be glorified. But he recognizes there's a problem for us.
1: And that problem is that often when we do good things, we receive praise. And our purpose,
0: our motive, can shift from doing good things
1: so that God may
0: be glorified to doing good things so that we may be glorified, so that we may be praised. Jesus says, beware Beware of practicing your righteousness. In other words, beware of acting in the manners that I've told you about. Beware of practicing your righteousness, that which is supposed to give glory to God. Remember, way back at the very beginning, when God sets aside the people, the Jewish people, it's not only so he's going to bless them and give them land and descendants, but they're all to be blessed so that they can be a blessing to everyone else. That's the part that's often forgotten. In other words, God sets aside people so that others may be blessed and they may come to know about God. So Jesus is on the same path and saying, look, remember, don't ever cover a light. Don't ever be a city on a hill that can't be seen. You're supposed to be seen by others so that God will be glorified. And now Jesus seems to be changing the direction. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness before others so that you may be seen by other people.
1: The point that he's saying is beware of
0: practicing righteousness in front of others so that they see you practicing your righteousness. His emphasis is on not that you've got to do all good things quietly in secret, we'll get to that in a moment, but you can't, and we aren't to do things in a way that leads to our own praise. In other words, Jesus is saying, remember, it's not about you. Beware of practicing your righteousness before others so that you may be seen by them. In other words, is anybody watching? I'm going to only do this when other people are
1: watching so they know that I did it.
0: And he goes on to talk about that if we do that, if our behavior is for ourselves, if we do good things for ourselves rather than giving glory to God, if that is our purpose, if that is our motive, he says, then there's no reward for you from our Father. Interesting that word "reward." Again, the translators are always stuck with difficulty of translating another word, another concept, and bringing it into an English word and concept. And sometimes it just doesn't fit. That word for reward is wages or what we're due. So, in other words, Jesus is saying, "Look." There is a reward for you. There is a praise for you. There is a glory for you. It's just, that's not supposed to come from other people because of what you did. What you did is supposed to give God glory and God will reward you. God will acknowledge that. God will see that and see the due, the wages that are yours. But God knows our hearts. If you do that so that you can receive praise from others, if you do that for your own glory, your own praise, then, as he says in a number of examples in a moment, I tell you they've already received their reward. God's not done that reward for you, people have already given you your reward. So Jesus is starting out by saying, hey, look, the warning here is what is your motive? What is your purpose? Or as I often like to say when we're in the church, when we're doing anything, why do we do what we do? It's always good for us to be asking that question. Why do we do what we do? And Jesus is reminding them and us, look, it's all to give glory to God. Our righteousness, our right practices, our Doing things are for God's glory. So that's that first P, that first M, that purpose, that motive. Which brings us to the next P or the next M. Our practice or our method. And Jesus uses three examples to help draw them and us into what he's talking about. He's not only saying, remember, when you do your righteousness, it's for God's glory, not yours. And now he's going to be like any good preacher or teacher. He's going to give them three examples, three examples that they particularly could understand and may take us a little more effort. If he was speaking to us in our day, he might have lifted three different perspectives. But we can still understand. He he talks about three different items. That is their practice, their method. Three items that were good, three good items that identified a Jew. Giving alms or giving to the needy. Prayer and fasting. Fasting. So he talks about with that alms or giving to the needy. He says, hey, look, when you do this, don't be like the hypocrites. And he'll lift that word hypocrite up before us in each of those three examples. And, of course, we bring our modern ear to that understanding of what a hypocrite is, someone who does one thing but is really in a different perspective. And in many ways, that fits. But hypocrite comes from an older understanding. In many ways, that was the original word for actors. I'm sorry, Molly. Um, If you weren't listening... That's okay. Hypocrite was one of the original words for actors. I was thinking about the play in the musical recently. I'm not saying you're a hypocrite. I think you're redder than your hair is. Um, in other words, an actor, what does an actor do but puts on a different face and presents us a different role? an actor or actress behaves in a way to present someone else to us. A hypocrite is someone who presents a different perspective than what they really are. And so Jesus is taking that initial purpose or motive and explaining how that plays out in us, that we start to behave in a way that is different. We present to people something that is different than what we really are. In other words, we start to put on a face. We put on a reality. We want people to think in a certain way. He says, when you give alms, when you give to the needy, don't be like the hypocrites who like to, you know, Blow the trumpets, says he's kind of doing a lot of hyperbole here and over an exaggeration, but they like to make a lot of noise about what they're doing so that others can see how great and wonderful they are. And when others see how great and wonderful they are, Jesus says, I tell you, they've already received their reward. Fine, they've got their plaque on the wall. They've got their name on all the buildings. And so everybody realizes they're great. They've got their reward from the people.
1: But not their reward or what they're due from God.
0: So here's where we start to get a little confused. Jesus starts to talk about instead doing this in secret. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. In other words, behave in a way that, that others don't necessarily know that it was you. Well, see, we suddenly have a tension here. Act and behave in a way that others don't know, so do it in secret. And yet earlier, a chapter earlier, or earlier in his sermon, he's talking about, hey, look, you don't want to be hidden. You've got to be like a city on a hill or a a light on a lampstand. You don't cover that. You You can't
1: act as if you can't see that.
0: But the perspective has changed. And we'll get to that in a moment. He's talking about when you do these things, don't do them so that you receive praise from others.
1: But, going back to his earlier
0: point, so that God is praised. If someone catches you doing something good, the hope is, the drive is, or the redirection is, so that God receives the glory. There are some people that do so many good things and people know they do that because of their love for Jesus. They know them well enough that their good actions aren't about how great and wonderful they are, but because they love Jesus and the love that they've received from God. That's what Jesus is talking about. He moves on. And when you pray... And boy, this one always makes me nervous when I'm up here praying the long prayer. Do not be like the hypocrites who like to stand on the street corners. They want everybody to see them praying. He says, look, you know, if that's your your practice, if that's your method, then you've already received your reward. Yeah, other people see you pray. You're a great prayer. Wonderful. Hey, well done, you.
1: But if it's for God,
0: then go into your closet. And they didn't really have closets, but a separate little room, a storage room in the house. And the point that he's shifting from is the dramatic out in front of everybody on the street corner so everybody can see you praying to that, no, no, this is between you and God. You don't need to advertise this. Or the third one, when you, fat, or, or when you fast, and this might not be as regular in the lives of many of us, but uh, a good Jew would probably fast about twice a week. It was very typical to run into people that were fasting. And fasting meant not eating and, and and also depriving oneself of a number of items, including the oil that one would use to, you know, just help in that climate. Uh, it was a very dry climate. Uh, they would give up a number of items. So the equivalent for us would be when you fast, you don't bathe or do anything else. And... You wake up in the morning, and as you rolled out of bed, that's what you look like, and you go into work. How many of you did that today coming to church? How many caught somebody else in the household that was about to do that coming to church? Jesus says, look, you know, fasting fine you're you're not going to eat and you're going to do that as a way of reminding yourself who god is and glorifying god every time you're hungry and and just you're to put your focus on god but you know don't deprive yourself of the oil and that which makes you look like you're fasting he says no no continue to do the oil Uh, don't go out in such a way that makes it look like you're fasting so that everybody can see oh they're fasting But instead, remember, that's a a journey in which you're trying to grow closer to God and think of God. This is not a journey so that other people can see how wonderful you are in your journey.
1: So, Jesus is
0: moving us from what is your purpose, what is your motive. And then he gives us examples by saying, "Hey, here's here's three practices, or here's three methods, by which you can get caught up in doing what is righteous and religious, but you're doing it not for God, but for yourself." And so God, take, so Jesus takes those three. Practices, those three methods to give us examples. And then he circles back and he winds it up by talking about perspective or manner. So if you're following purpose, practice, perspective, or motive, method, manner. He winds up the third section on our perspective and our manner, which is a way of saying he's going to reiterate what he said at the start about our purpose and our motive. And he uses three examples or three illustrations, one of which we're fairly familiar with, and that is the idea of don't store up for yourselves treasures here on earth where moth and rust and thieves break into steal. where those where those treasures on earth can just be destroyed and taken away from you but instead store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and thieves cannot break in and steal this is the first example of Jesus talking about the that which we'll do our reward he shifts from a reward language to a treasure
1: language and he says, look, don't invest
0: all your efforts in rewards that are here, people's praise, our praise from people, but rather Operate in such a way that there's kind of a building account of God's praise for you as you give glory to God. And no one can
1: take that away. Moth, rust, thieves,
0: nothing can take that away from you. He's calling us to a new perspective, a new manner of living. I used the word manner because it was a good third M. But it speaks also to our manners. You know, have you ever had to explain manners to children? You know, don't put your elbows on the table. What's the first question you hear when you say that? You're right there. Why? And what's your answer? Uh-huh. I bet you if we had a quiz, what's your answer for not putting elbows on the table? We will have as many different answers as we have people who answer it. Jesus is busy setting for us the reason for our manners. The perspective, the manner by which we live. He says, look, when you do good things, when you live righteously, when you're giving doing what God calls you to do, do this so that God is glorified and others will see that and want to glorify God and because of your actions, see how it has changed you and changed your life. They say, I want that. Well, how do I get that? God. Jesus is the one who's changed our lives. Well, if Jesus is the one who's changed your life, then I want that Jesus in my life. God is glorified. So, the first example hey, don't store for yourselves treasures, you know, praise and, and glory and all the praise that people can give you. That really, they're gone today, tomorrow. I, I'm just always fascinated. I remember when I was younger, my parents would say, Oh, did you hear so and so died? And they were usually talking about some um, entertainer, some celebrity of the past.
1: They would say this name as if it was a name that was known in the household. My sister and I would look just clueless. We didn't know who that person was.
0: But yet it would be a big name. And we do it even now. We do it with our children. We say, I say to Suzanne, did you hear so-and-so side? Yeah, I heard that. And, and our children would say, who's that? And yet they had all this praise, all these accolades. They made tons of money. They were a household name in a different generation. Jesus says, don't store it up there, where moth and rust and thieves or simply time just takes it away. The next illustration is a little more difficult for us. He gives, he's, again, he's talking about our perspective, our manner, and he's saying it in three different ways. He says, and this one's tough, he talks about the eye. He talks about the eye being the light, our eyes. And here we just simply have to get into a Hebrew perspective that is different than our own. We know how eyes work now. We know that light comes in and it helps us to see. But they thought of eyes being that which light went out. And so it talks about, hey, look, when we, when we have right thinking, we illuminate. We're, we're lit up. But when we have wrong thinking, our eyes are dark. And when our eyes are dark, everything is dark inside. It's not something we're familiar with, but it's a different way of thinking.
1: And then the third perspective.
0: Maybe you caught it. No one can serve two masters, for either will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other you cannot serve god and money it could happen that when someone died and had a servant that that servant was passed on and there were occasions where some a servant could be passed on in such a way that there were now two people that had that one servant And so that servant would be stuck between the two masters. And inevitably, the servant would like one more than the other. It was an illustration they could understand. And he finalizes it this way by saying, you can't serve both God and we have, in our translation, money, because the word there is manna. Manna, that bread from heaven. And manna came to be an understanding of possessions everything that we have. And so this manna word is not just a literal word for the bread from heaven of long ago in the story where when they were wandering in the wilderness and they had nothing to eat, God gave them bread from heaven, this manna. Manna has now become a word that represents all things, possessions, that which we hold on to, even our identity, how people see us. And Jesus takes that initial purpose or motive and he comes around to a perspective and manner that says, look, in the end, we have a choice and our choice is either we're serving God or we're serving those things we desire to possess, whether it's stuff or it's the very image that we're always building of ourselves before others. And Jesus says, in the end, you can't do both.
1: So this section
0: of the Sermon on the Mount
1: is all about
0: our praise. Where will our praise come from?
1: Will it come from others? Or will it come from God? It'll all depend on our purpose, our practice, and our perspective. Let's pray.
0: Almighty God, you know how much we desire to live for you. And yet you know how our sinfulness, our brokenness makes it easy for everything to be about us. Help us, O Lord, to abandon ourselves, to abandon our own desires, our own need for identity, and to instead lose ourselves in you, that we may find our identity in you, and that our every action may give you glory. All this we praise you in your precious name. Amen. Amen. And now, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be yours this day and forevermore. Amen.